three, two, one. Hi, and welcome to Unaware by B Physiology. We're not experts, philosophers, or living with a disability. We do, however, have a very unique insight into the lives of the people that we work with. You're listening to Be Real, Series 1 of the Unaware Podcast. Hello and welcome to the official uh, episode one of uh, Unaware by B Physiology. This is our official podcast series. My name is AJ. And my name's Harry. And like I said, you were here at episode one of series one, which we have titled uh, Be Real. I'm going to let this uh, man across from me explain to you why we've called it Be Real. So Be Real, that's real with two E's. And that is because we will be breaking down particular... Characters, events, and contexts that we see in film and TV uh, as well, uh, and relating them to our jobs as exercise physiologists and seeing if they check out, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think it's it's worth noting as well that you know we're not coming at this um, trying to play ourselves off as experts. We're certainly not that. We're, we're definitely going to say some some incorrect things, I think, from time to time. I mean, we're not... We're not film critics. No, we're not philosophers, but we do have a very unique perspective of looking into the lives of the people that we work with. Uh, We come from this as a point of professional exercise physiologists, and we look to learn on uh, during these podcasts, not only for our practice, but also going forward in our everyday lives. Yeah, and obviously we want to do what we can to, to share our knowledge as well. Uh, so, you know, we, we are lucky enough, I guess, to have these experiences in the real world and we, we certainly had to hit our own learning curves. So what we can share with you, I suppose, mm. is all for the better. Um, but by all means, join the conversation too. If you, if you hear anything that we... Uh, that Comment, we... like, subscribe, all the good stuff. Um, it all means a lot to us. So let's start the conversation now. AJ, what is an exercise physiologist? <laughs> that is what we are. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> and we're so good at it too. <laughs> Uh, an exercise physiologist is we are an allied health professional that uses exercise as a tool or as a form of medicine. So we are essentially the the exercise pill. Uh, so what we will do is we will use physical activity, movement, exercise, stretching, mobility, whatever it may be, uh, to try and counter or I suppose offset the progression of disease, injury, illness. Right. Perfectly explained. There's particular experiences that we have in our uh, professional lives that we we know don't add up to things that we see on screen and as professionals we as exercise physiologists i should say is we're looking at those things all the time because we work with people with disabilities every day we see someone on the screen who's living with a disability And we think, you know what, that actually doesn't happen like that. That's a weird way that they portrayed that. Or actually, that's right on. That's on the money and they've done a good job here. But I think it comes down to our experiences and trying to share what we know with everyone else. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, We should probably say as well, before we get into things, uh, or not necessarily say, but alert you to spoilers. Uh, so we will cover one movie or one piece of television at a time, mm-hmm. um, and we we will deep dive into it, I guess. Yep. Um, so a part of that is ruining everything for you. So <laughs> if you plan on watching whatever movie it is that we're going to discuss, uh, by all means, 
Forget about watching and just watch this and we'll tell you everything <laughs> that you need to know. We've we got a pretty good up. I mean, like the spark notes. In terms, of, in terms of spoilers, we're definitely going to try not to spoil things for you. Uh, we'll dance around the main you know, pivotal points of the plot of the movie. Um, but there will be some things that you might not, you know, you might want to watch the movie first and come back and listen to this podcast for a greater appreciation as well because a lot of the movies that we will and have watched are good and bad representations of disability and, you know, will help you kind of connect the dots, I guess. What's good, what's bad, what's real, what's unrealistic. Yeah, I think it's also fair to say that sometimes we forget uh, that people haven't watched the movie and then <laughs> yeah, we sort of explain it yeah. as if you you know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, you know yeah. the guy. You know the guy. And we for- the I guy. Mean, forgive us. <laughs> <Yeah>. Forgive <laughs> us, you know. Hand on heart, we're trying our best. We are, we are. But uh, no, you're right. It's, um, you know, everything that we're talking about here is just trying to reflect on how we see it. And uh, yeah. Let's get into it, I reckon. Yeah, let's get into it. So, episode one today, uh, what we're going to be having a look at is Penguin Bloom, which is a movie that came out in 2021. Yeah, definitely 2021. Uh, so, Harry and I got to see this together. We went on a little uh, movie date, which was nice. I can't remember what snacks he got. I know that I snuck some sushi into the into the cinema. Popcorn and a choc top. Ah, well, there you go. Yeah. So. I mean, I think it was English toffee choc top as well. Oh, you remember? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. It's the only it's one. Delicious. <laughs> anyway, the the film. So the film Penguin Bloom is based on. It's actually based on a true story or, or a real life person. Uh, so Samantha Bloom, who is played by Naomi Watts. Um, and I think, well, not I think. I know. I saw the movie. Um, Samantha, or uh, she is while holidaying in Thailand. She falls from a balcony, I think, and then um, she. I think she. On a faulty Breaks her railing. T six vertebrae, uh, resulting in what I believe is an incomplete spinal cord injury. Now we'll go down the route of explaining what that is very soon, but um, essentially what this film does is it sort of follows the path of Sam's recovery, all the while using a very clever metaphor. So early in the movie as well, uh, Samantha's son Noah finds a magpie who they name Penguin. Uh, who did I say that the magpie was injured? Uh, not yet, but no, you but did the just then. No, the is injured. Uh, so just like Samantha, I suppose, is going on its own recovery path. And the two kind of tie themselves in toward each other as the movie's titled Penguin Bloom. Yeah. They yeah. bloom together. Oh, they do. And I'm on my phone purely because my notes are on here. I'm not checking emails. We're <laughs> just watching something else. No, so I think right at the start of the movie, there is a uh, a point where... Uh, Samantha falls, has her injury, and then it's pretty quick to her getting back into a house. You don't really see any of the hospital side of things. Um, And I think that's kind of where we should start, to be honest. What happens in that hospital period that you don't really see in this movie? uh, And, you know, what needs to happen before you're discharged after having a catastrophic spinal cord injury? Right, well, why don't you go down that route? I feel like... In fact, I'll, I'll probably preface the entire podcast just by saying that Harry's uh, experience with spinal cord injury specifically, uh, it, it does far exceed mine. And as a very humble and just giving man, I feel like I'm going to let Harry take uh, do a lot of the legwork here. That's an awful choice of words. 
Uh, it is an awful <laughs> choice. Awful of choice of word. <laughs> yeah. <man>. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> horrible. Apologies already. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna there let Harry go. do a lot of the talking. Yep, yep, yep. Um, with respect to you know explaining what is you know treatment around spinal cord injury, uh, it's one of those things where anything I can do, he can do better. So let's let. Uh, I mean, in this particular instance, experience is. It, it key, is key, I yeah. think so. And obviously, you know, Harry doesn't live with a disability as well. Yeah, that's um, right. So, yeah. he, again, he's, but he might say something that y- you disagree with, especially if you're living with a spinal cord injury or even if you're not. Um, I think what we're trying to get at here is if you... What's that saying? If you... This is... I was going to say if you hang around Do a barbershop too long, <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to change it and say if you hang around a barbershop too long, you at least know what a haircut looks like or what it should look like. Right, okay. Right, so Harry is... He's just been hanging around a barbershop this, for a while. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. It's just... It's like, it's like trading war stories at this time. You know, I'm just... With, with clients of mine, I'm picking up information from them. I'm asking about their experiences and trying to absorb that and then trying to... In this podcast, at least, or this series, I'm just... You and I are just trying to project those stories out into the world a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one more thing that I want to point out before we get into the movie, and it's probably not necessarily required to point out. I'm sure you're all aware, but Naomi Watts does not live with a disability uh, either. So we will probably touch on representation and film you know, with each piece that we do cover. Um, it's not necessarily our place to be overly opinionated about what that means, um, but it is worth pointing out that this is an actor that is playing somebody with a disability uh, and, of course, doesn't live with a disability in real life. Yeah, so Harry, you were talking about what that process is or how, like in the movie, it is quite quick uh, in terms of seeing what the injury is, I suppose, uh, and then seeing Samantha post-injury. Yeah, so um, in terms of, after you have a horrible injury like that, obviously you go to hospital, they then grade you, they give you a classification. Obviously, this is very much simplifying what happens as well. Someone who does have a spinal cord injury can really give you a better idea than me. This is just more of a collaborative, con- 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 conglaborative. Con- I think that's collaborative, collaborative. <laughs> uh, this is a collaborative uh, version of all the stories I kind of hear. But you go into the hospital, you uh, you uh, run through a certain amount of tests, such such as you know light touch, sharp touch. See if you can um, feel those sensations. So they go through these sense uh, sensory tests. Uh, you go through motor. Uh, motor action tests as well and then from these they gauge what classification you are on the Asia scale and the Asia scale is a um, Australian spinal injury America scale I think I think it's America no Australian America <laughs> yeah, that's like... wrong American spinal uh, American spinal injury association I do believe <laughs> um, and <laughs> we're working together <laughs> yeah. and uh, essentially They'll give you a scale from Asia A to E, Asia A being someone who is um, motor impaired and sensory repaired or a complete injury. So they can't, um, can't feel below that level of injury and they can't move or activate muscles that are innovated below that level of injury at all. So movement and sensory are both 100% affected. Then you move into B, uh, C and D, which are... You know, uh, you have your, you know, you lose your motor in B, but you still have your sensory uh, in parts. Your C is you have your, you lose 
motor to a particular degree. So you move, you lose movement to a particular scale. So everything's very weak, I guess, in this um, innovation level. And you've lost sensory, I guess. Um, and then D is below. So C and D kind of play against each other. C is you're on the upper level of movement and sensory and D being on the lower level. Uh, oh, no, other way around, sorry. So C is... D meaning more function. D meaning more function, sorry. Uh, and E is a healthy population. So you and I who haven't had a spinal cord injury, we're classified as E, I guess, with no dysfunction to our sens- sensory or our um, ability to uh, move our muscles as well. So I may have actually kind of mixed that around a little bit because I got in on this train of thought. But did that sound all right? No, that sounded that fantastic. Sounded right? And I actually, think that I, it's, it's great that you pointed that out as well because uh, I know for me... Um, before getting into the degree and then even actually probably getting to the point of, of working with spinal cord injury, um, knowing that it's not clear-cut black and white, you either have a spinal cord injury or you don't. It's not like you either can function or, sorry, use your limbs or sense innovation and whatnot or can't. There is a big discrepancy or a big variation of what a spinal cord injury looks like depending on what that spinal cord injury is. And you said it to me perfectly once, actually, which was two people can have the exact same injury at the exact same level, um, but it will present completely differently. And that's because it really comes down to like a fiber-specific sort of injury. Like one fiber can make all the difference between... Or one neural fiber, sorry, can make all the difference between how somebody presents. Yeah, and I must say, on piggybacking on what you just said, the... I've never, I've never really had. Actually, no, I never have had someone who presents exactly the same in sensory and in motor. I've never had anyone that presents exactly the same. Whether it is a change just in the way that they're feeling something, something's very sensitive, something's very um, dull, dull kind of feeling. You know, it's numb, numb feeling to the actual. Uh, movement of their muscles below that injury? Do they have a lot? Do they have 10%, 15%, 20%? Like it's so variable, it's crazy. So I've never literally had someone with the same, ex- that presents exactly the same. Yeah, never. gotcha. Yeah, you just have to think about it. Like if you have a spinal cord injury, if someone has a spinal cord injury, they're not the same as another person that has a spinal cord injury. Another huge one is people that actually get up there's a stigma around it as well, but people that have an incomplete spinal cord injury or an Asia C or D, someone that can still use their muscles to stand and do things, but you don't know what their sensation's like. Um, people that can stand but need a wheelchair, there's a weird stigma about seeing someone, you know, push down the street and then, or into the grocery store, let's say, and then they go and they realize they go into an aisle, realize that what they need is on the top level, they get up out of their chair, stand up and grab it, put it in their, you know, basket and then sit down. And people see that and they're like, what are you doing? What you have to understand is that person probably can't walk, walk more than 40 meters, 100 meters, whatever, whatever that particular distance is, they can't do it. Or they're at a really high risk of falling and falls are horrible because bone density is already down the drain a little bit or not down the drain but heavily affected by you know having a spinal cord injury and not being up on your feet as much as you would if you're you know a healthy population so that just goes to show that you can be someone who's heavily affected 
um, and needs, you know, chin controls or eye controls um, or even uh, ventilation controls on their chair to someone who can roll their chair themselves, stand up and grab something from an aisle uh, in a supermarket and it's still a spinal cord injury. Right. Right. So I think, yeah, that was well said. I think that perfectly sort of sums up how variable spinal cord injury really is. Um, let's take it back to the movie for a second and let's talk about uh, Samantha's injury classification, which from memory... Um, it, it's not ever stated specifically what level uh, injury Samantha has, but there is a scene where Samantha is explaining to one of her children that uh, her injury is essentially at the bra line, bra, bra strap, strap line. Bra strap, strap. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's a really good, I think, in terms of if you are a EP or a health professional, that's a, that's a good way to remember what T6 is. Because yeah. T4 being nipple level, T10 being um, umbilicus or um, belly button. Yeah, T6 bra strap. Perfect. Right. Great, great so for, for um, someone who was wondering, well, what does that even mean? Essentially, what we're looking at then is, is innovation from that point down. Now, I won't go back and repeat exactly what Harry's just said, but I think based on what we can gather uh, that this might be an incomplete injury. Um, or it, I think I read that it was an incomplete injury. So I don't remember seeing anything in the film to suggest that, but looking into research afterwards, it seemed, or it was said to be incomplete. Well, the thing is, she could have an incomplete injury, but have very affected motor. Like, she doesn't have the strength to stand or um, use below that level of right, injury very well at all. Right, that bra strap line. So basically, from the bra strap down, there is going to be an effect on her function. And, and, and it seems like in this movie with Samantha, she's pretty heavily affected. Um, that means that her trunk muscles and her stability muscles, just sitting up like we are, obviously we have backs on these chairs, but sitting up like that takes all these muscles below that bra strap level. So really, those muscles should be affected as well. Well, there is a scene in the movie actually where I think it's probably, it might be the very first scene because I think the injury itself is like a flashback that happens a little, not I wouldn't say further into the film, but uh, not straight away. The injury is not the, f or the fall is not the very first scene. I think the very first scene might even be Samantha like pulling herself up from bed. Yeah, transferring. Transferring. Yes. So as, when we're talking about before, just to go back onto that first point of what do you need to know before you leave the hospital? Transferring is usually up there. What is your mode of transferring? How do you get from one surface to another? That's what a transfer is, just off, you know, in layman's terms. So that might mean you have to use a hoist or a mechanical, um, they call it hoist, but a, a sling and a hoist to actually get from one surface to the other. Or it could mean that you have, you know, you can independently um, put your hands beside you, shift your hips over and get into whatever or onto whatever platform or surface that you want to get onto. So you have to figure out what is your transfer um, method before you leave. Like that you kind of need to know that particular thing. Um, to interject on the same point before you move on from transfers at all, um, I will point out that transfers, yes, obviously Harry's talking about before you leave hospital, you need to have an idea of how you're going to perform that well, move. How you're going to get around, you know. But as EPs, transferring is probably a huge part of what we do with spinal cord injury. Not probably, it is. It is a huge part. So, yes, you may leave with a particular level of function with respect to, to transferring, but I suppose a big goal of ours is trying to improve that. Yeah, absolutely. Because... 
you don't really understand how important the ability to shift your hips from one surface to another is until you're in the thick of someone learning or you have you know a disability you have a spinal cord injury and you're trying to learn that skill yourself that means you can get on and off the toilet by yourself without needing someone to help you that means you can get in and out of the shower without someone needing to help you that means you can get in and out of a car and use hand controls to drive the car without someone needing to be there and help you so transferring is huge and then it kind of it goes from being able to transfer you know from one bench to another then maybe in and out of a car because there's different levels then you know all the way to floor to chair transfer so if you were to come out of your chair or if you purposely want to get out onto the ground onto a picnic rug just get yourself onto the ground can you get back up into the chair you know, and these are skills that you don't realize have such a huge impact on your life if you are, you know, if that is your main mode of, you know, getting from A to B is a technique and transferring. It's so important. Well, what did you think of the transfer technique in the film? I thought it was fresh. It was very fresh. You know, it wasn't a, they, it wasn't a well... It what didn't look good. It didn't look good, you know. Um, Cameron is it Cameron? The, no, who's the husband's name? Cameron. Cameron is helping Samantha. Samantha's got a um, um, you know, a bed bar type thing which an OT would install on your bed. Um, she has a bar that she grab onto to help pull herself up out of bed first of all. So that means definitely her rectus or her abdominal muscles are he- affected. So she she can't just sit up by herself. Uh, and then she's transferring over and she's pretty much just, you know, reefing herself over onto the chair and Cameron's there helping out and kind of muscling her into the chair. After That's that's feasible at the start of, of having an injury, but uh, over time you need to learn the techniques because there's a lot of pressure on your shoulders. It's a lot of pressure on the person helping you as well. And it's also a lot of pressure on your hips and your skin if you're constantly rubbing your skin along could be anything yeah and i like that you pointed that out actually because um i mean you can talk about it separately you know shoulder injury and spinal cord injury if you're working with basically two upper limbs and not the the use of your abdominals down your upper limbs are everything uh or not everything but close to everything with respect to your functions so an injury in one shoulder goes uh, a long way to hindering your your quality of life um, and obviously, then you're you're trying to rehab that as well as everything else that is going on. Um, and obviously, you talk about um, skin uh, or abrasions and whatnot. Yeah, skin yeah. is another skin integrity. Huge, yes, because um, again, it's something that I had to learn uh, in the field and probably through you um, is the idea that because there is no innovation below that level of injury, uh, blood flow is also affected as well. It's not as required below that point. So uh, skin integrity or abrasions or things happening below the level of injury to the skin, they don't heal as quickly. They're more prone to infection. You might end up with, I think it's, you can end up with like an infection for like a while. Oh, it's- so bed sores or also called pressure sores, they are the bane of the existence of a lot of people that are, that are you know, who have paralysis below a certain level they just can't feel this wound building in the you know underneath the skin surface first 
And it's just pressure, too much pressure on one. You know, when you and I are sitting here, we're moving around. It's all good because as soon as we feel uncomfortable, we shift our hips. If you have a spinal cord injury and you don't have sensation below that level of injury, you don't know that you need to shift. You're just keeping the pressure on that one place. And it's usually on the hip bone, the pointy hip bone of people, uh, or the tailbone as well. So those three areas, huge, you know, hugely susceptible to getting pressure areas. They grow under the skin and they can literally break out on the surface of the skin at the size of your fist. And having an injury like that is can often be fatal for someone because the infection level is incredible and you don't have the circulation down there to heal that wound very well at all. So if someone does get even a tiny little baby pressure sore on them, they will literally be out of commission especially coming in to see us, they'll be out of commission for months at least. And that means bed rest and just not making it any worse until it heals itself for months, years. Some people go years just to get a, a, a pressure sore to heal. Right. And then obviously, like I said, we're coming at this from the point of EP. So uh, time off is also muscle wastage. I suppose if you're not able to to maintain whatever muscle mass you have, it's that same principle that applies everywhere. Use it or lose it. Um, the rules don't change for anybody. Um, I, w- I do want to move on. Um, and because there's a scene in the movie where we see extension spasm. Um, or is it extension tremor? Um, a bit, bit of both. Interchangeable. Yeah, yeah, interchangeable yeah. Can you can you explain to 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 me and everybody listening mm. what that is? So if you have a spasm, it's a it's an uncoordinated uh, burst of uh, uh, action potential below your level of injury. It just doesn't know where to go a lot of the time. So it's firing a message down. A lot of people have these thresholds as well, where it'll the electrical um, activity in the muscle will kind of build until it hits a threshold and then it'll cause a contraction. Just like you and I do, but we have complete control of that. They don't have control of that contraction of the muscle. So an extension spasm means that the muscles that are the extensor muscles, say the quads, um, you know, the glutes, those particular muscles, and usually the calves as well, those particular muscles are highly susceptible to someone who has an incomplete injury because they still have a signal going down past the lesion, past that brass strap, say for Sam, Samantha, um, past that point, it gets distorted at the lesion and then it, you know, results in a spasm. So, as I mean, that's as, as good as I can explain it, I guess. Right, well, let me ask another question. Yeah, on please. On the back of this. Because um, I've seen extension spasm and it looks... From what I've seen of it, uh, it looks that it can be extremely painful. But in the film, uh, Samantha is uh, experiences the spasm, but I don't think that she reacts in a way where she's in pain. So it's almost as if she doesn't feel the spasm. So can you explain? So what's the difference there between somebody who experiences spasm and it's really painful, and somebody who experiences spasm? Pas- uh, spasm. <laughs> that, too. One. that too. That <laughs> too. Um, and doesn't feel anything at all. So it comes down to the that classification we we're talking about at the start. Do you have sensory innovation? Can you feel things below your level of injury? A spasm can be a one hundred percent contraction of that muscle. It can be huge. So if you're thinking about it, it's hard for us to get such a 
massive contraction by just squeezing ourselves. This is uncontrolled, massive contraction of the, of the muscle below that level of injury. If you can't, and if you have nerve pain, which a lot of people do, and we won't go into the uh, nerve pain in this um, particular movie because she doesn't really present with nerve pain all that much, but we will later on in other podcasts. But if you have a massive contraction below that level of injury and you can still feel, you still have sensation, it can be extremely painful. If you don't have um, sensation, you're just looking at that leg kicking out in front of you and you can't feel it, but it can be extremely annoying and extremely detrimental to trying to get, trying to learn a new skill as well. Because spasms will get in the way of trying to learn to stand, trying to learn to walk again and things like that because you do have the potential um, because it's an incomplete injury. You do have the potential to, you know, um, innovate, muscles. stand or, or walk or whatever again. Um, but yeah, but you know, I know people who are classified as complete and still have spasms below the level of injury. So I assume, I do assume that Samantha is a classified as a complete gotcha. injury. Okay. I think. All right. Well, that's, there we go. We can yeah. go. Can I put that on the error list on, on my hand? We're going to edit that out <laughs> if it's wrong. No, no yeah. So the, well, di- the difference being just that, that amount of damage on the spinal cord. Okay. Okay. And so obviously, I mean, this is something that you do see a lot, I suppose, in um, you know, the EP side of, of, of spinal cord injury because you know, I think in, in any condition, you're trying to, at some point, it's progressive overload, you're pushing boundaries. So you're sort of, especially when you're new to a client, you're probably finding those points uh, that you can't quite, can't quite hit without getting an extension spasm. And we're talking about extension, which uh, I'll break down very quickly. When we talk about extension in general, it's a movement where the muscle fibers are lengthening. Now, that can be passive or active. So if my... No, in this, in this case, extension is um, the... It's all, it's about the angle of the joint. Correct. So so the lengthening is not contraction. It's ece- it's an oh, eccentric. Oh, so it's just an ease. So oh, so okay, extension so is purely going to be extension of the joint. The joint. Yeah, Correct. yeah. So okay, that's cool. extending the arm, extending the leg. You kick out. Type okay. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'm just to pull you up on that. How well for me actually? Because I'm still I'm wrong, but I'm heading in the right direction. <laughs> and that's um, all we need. <laughs> And well, what I was going to talk about is the idea that somebody who uh, lives their life in a, in a wheelchair is often in a flex position, which is the opposite of extension. Um, and what comes with that? So when I say flex, you were going we mean, in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> here we go. Um, yeah. So uh, Samantha obviously uh, is now I can find to a wheelchair, and in that case, uh, spends her life in a seated position, and then that means that her hips are always bent, and she's always bent at the knee. And of course, with no innovation, there are other things that happen. Um, so. I was going to get you to talk about essentially like tightness through the lower limbs and also like adductor weakness and what what's happening with the body once you lose that innovation. Um, what what is the response that the body has? I guess some things are more. Again, everyone's very different, but some things are more uh, reoccurring. I find in my experience than others. Um, because you're sitting in that flex position all the time, your hip flexes um, get very tight. Uh, your knee flexes get very tight. So your hamstrings get very tight as well. Uh, if you stay in that position and don't straighten out very much, you can slowly build contracture, which we'll go into a little bit because contracture is a whole other thing. But that just means you, 
it really it, that that tendon just gets so tight that you can't straighten it out anymore uh and also it then kind of plays into the spasms that you have because you have very tight hip flexors and then you try and stretch those hip flexors it, it most likely will have in my experience again you have an extension spasm you know or, or a flexion spasm to be like, nope, and pulls the leg right back in. Right. So you're trying to flatten the leg out, right? And then all of a sudden it just goes doing and gets ripped out of your hand because that that uh, stretch that the hip flexors are feeling, the reflex is that spasm is the flex back up. It's like, don't touch me. This is where I stay. It's, yeah, yeah. And then also if you have someone that doesn't have necessarily tight you know, uh, hamstrings or hip flexors, knees and hips. And then you kind of flatten them out, lying down onto a, a bench or a plinth or something like that. A lot of the time, in my experience, again, they'll have an extension spasm, which is when someone's whole body kind of straightens out and they can shake. And what we're talking about before, can and cannot, can or cannot be painful as well. Gotcha. Okay, well, um, I hope you don't mind, but I might move us along to a point in the film uh, where we're still talking about physical function. Um, something that we talk, we do a lot um, in exercise physiology or something that we focus on a lot is balance. Um, but when we're talking about balance in the context of this film here, I'm thinking of this scene where um, Samantha eventually um, starts to kayak. And there is a scene, or the very first scene where she does this, and I suppose there's a, a mental element to it as well, but she has no abdominal brace. Uh, and what we know of a T6 injury would suggest that paddling in a kayak with a T6 spinal cord injury would be extremely difficult without some sort of bracing around your upper body. Yep, correct. Yeah, yeah. So at the start of the movie, so when she's actually learning to kayak, you know first when you first see that she doesn't have the brace on you only see that later on so that was definitely something that what we were talking about why we kind of do this podcast is i see that and i go i kind of call bullshit on it you know i don't i mean obviously i don't know her maybe she has tone in her abs that just keep her keep that um spinal uh, kinematics or alignment keeps her up nice and tall um but if you have a T6 injury that we assuming could be uh, incomplete, it's going to be so difficult to not only sit up straight in a kayak, but then paddle the kayak as well with external resistance on either side. So that skill in itself, that she learned that skill, because it is a true story, I believe, that she learned that skill is phenomenal. It's awesome. Yeah. In terms of a training perspective for you and I, we look at that and go... Fantastic. Yeah, 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 and that's where it's suggestive, I suppose, of incomplete injury, uh, where, the, where the lines get a little bit blurred about whether it's complete or incomplete because at that T6 level, you would assume that something like that, without me uh, using too many, uh, I suppose, big words, but it might be a little bit impossible to, to really do something like kayaking at it with a T6 injury without yeah. the brace. Without, without a brace, brace or yeah. some kind of aid, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also in the kayak as well, and this wasn't... I didn't think of this. Uh, you didn't think of this. It was pointed out by a client of ours who has a spinal cord injury uh, who also saw the film and mentioned before we saw it that in the very first scene, she's not using a life vest. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that would be... 
because she does, she's told by her um, instructor to roll out of the kayak as well. And the and my and the client that we we're talking about before said called bullshit on that. Yeah, like you, you know, never do that. You know, that's, she said something about the legs not floating as well. Um, oh the yeah, legs don't float in the film. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So usually after a spinal cord injury, again in my experience, should be the name of the podcast, I reckon. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, someone that has a spinal cord injury and that I've done hydrotherapy with. The legs often, their legs will often float more, usually to muscle wastage and um, bone density uh, wastage as well. Uh, the legs are usually, you know, will float. So, yeah, it just, the legs didn't float, jumped in without a life jacket. Come on, you know. I know you're trying a Hollywood. Trying a Hollywood life. It's a drama, okay? <laughs> it's a drama. But, you know, it's um, it's something that, Obviously, it would look ugly, maybe ugly on the screen, but it's something, you know, that obviously straight away clicked in our client's mind. Yeah, well, I did I did like this scene anyway because um, I felt like it represented a lot of what we do. So I, I think the character who is, um, I suppose, coaching Samantha to kayak, I think her name is Gay, um, and she plays this really pivotal role that I suppose mirrors what Harry and I are trying to do um, in our work, and that is to, to build confidence. So I'm not necessarily going to spoil the ins and outs of the scene itself, but um, I think I, you may have mentioned it already. Um, Gay's asking Samantha to essentially tip herself into the water. She's very fearful of doing that um, and doesn't feel as if she has the physicality required to basically get herself out of that situation. Um, and not to say that where is uh, life or death in that regard, but a big part of our job with any condition is trying to build up confidence in somebody that they can achieve certain tasks. Take the leap, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but also to moderate confidence as well, I guess. Uh, I think it's the other side of the coin. big one that <laughs> yeah. you told me about, yeah, which again, yeah. you have way more experience in, but like trying yeah. to bring people... Yeah, 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 I mean, it's it's a there's a perfect balance. If you really want to look at it from a training perspective, try not to get into to it too much, but there's a perfect amount of so obviously you need trust first of all. You need someone to be able to to know that you're there to help them, and that's the most important thing. Then it's the confidence factor. Do they have the confidence to try things that they really might feel as though they're not ready to do, and you know, and if you think you're there ready to do it, obviously you have to set up the, in the safest way possible to try and do that thing. That's why the whole rolling out of the thing, I'd be like, yeah, put a life vest on first, you know? But um, but yeah, it's it's all about building that confidence to then lead into autonomy um, of, the t- of the task and um, no, independence, independence really. Task, so independence yeah. of that task and then life autonomy. So that's pretty much what we, what we try and do is confidence, independence, and then autonomy. That's, that's, that's the... The pillars that we try and work through, I guess. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So, like you said, it's, it's about like, it's about understanding the client uh, and where they're at at a point in time and trying to work with that, not around it. Um, like in this scene, Gay doesn't push Samantha into the water. She suggests it and is pushing for her to do it verbally uh, without being aggressive, by the way. Um, <laughs> but get in the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like no, holding no, up no, a no. gun. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, but she is pushing for it, but also she's, you know, Samantha, I suppose, is making the decision the entire time. And that is something that, you know, we we can't push people physically to do no. anything. It's, they just, it's they just to need the to client. trust you enough to 
you know, know that you've taken the right steps that when when they do attempt to do something, they're going to be safe. Yeah, 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 for sure. And but that relationship between Gay, the instructor, and Sam is actually quite important as well uh, because a lot of people find it very hard to... Um, I'm going to say adapt to, adapt. to um, you know, when they when somebody they know experiences spinal cord injury. Yes, massively, um, yeah. And like in all fairness to them, it, it is a pretty... You don't know what's going on. Yeah, and you, you, know? you certainly like and without that experience, you wouldn't know how to handle that. And I like that you brought that up because gay essentially mirrors, uh, or I wouldn't say mirrors, but is the, what would be the opposite of... Is mirroring still the opposite, or is that the same? Mirroring or mirrors what? As in, like, so yeah. there are other characters in the it's film the who, yeah, right, but they're they're not the same. Okay, the opposite of mirrors. Gay, the opposite of mirrors. No, no, there are other characters in the film who you see are, are quite awkward about this transition into, um, you know, I suppose maintaining a friendship with someone who now has a spinal cord injury. So yeah, they she juxtaposes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. We don't yeah. I mean, we're here for the vocabulary. <laughs> um, yeah, so she... Because there, there, are, there is mov- uh, moments in the movie where, you know, other friends are approaching Sam after she's had the injury and they just don't know how to go about it. You know, and Sam feels uncomfortable. They kind of feel also kind of awkward and uncomfortable. Um, but Gay, the instructor, kind of g- just takes it head on and it could be an experience thing maybe she's she just knows someone who has a disability or has had something you know like that happen in the family or something like that she just approaches the her client who is sam in a way that is that she would approach everyone else right i don't want to i was gonna say i don't want to say this because i may be wrong but i'm gonna say it and maybe wrong (laughs) but i don't think that there's any lines in the film from gay's character that like are positioned entirely around the injury. I think that there's like every bit of dialogue between Gay and Samantha, it's obviously like they are doing physical work, but I don't think there's many lines that are central to her um, to her injury. No. Whereas the no, other characters, again, they don't say anything at all, but you can tell that they're just in their own head being like, yeah. don't say anything at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what do I do? Oh, d- don't say that. Um, you know, it's just... It takes a little while to adapt, but for everyone, for everyone, like, and you shouldn't, you know, if you have been in a situation before, you shouldn't kick yourself about not knowing what to do. You don't know what to do. It took me years to really understand how to. Well, we both, it, we started there as students, I suppose. Exactly. I didn't know anybody exactly. living with a spinal cord Correct. injury until my uh, prac. In my whole, in my whole life leading up to when I started, I didn't know, I didn't know anyone as in no, no, someone with a, with a disability, period. I just didn't know anyone. Now, obviously, I know hundreds, and that you know, and that and it, I've been, I've been happier and stronger for knowing those people. But it's not a, it's not a fact of you're doing it wrong. It's just don't try too hard. Don't think about it too much. Don't overthink it, because a lot of the times people get in their own heads and they are just running through the scenarios that could go wrong. Treat that person exactly as you treated them before. I think that's a huge thing as well, especially someone who's had an injury. Their whole life has been flipped upside down, and it's important for, you know, 
that same kind of relationship you have, you might have to adapt it somehow. I, you know, you might have to adapt it somewhere or another, but treat them exactly the way that you treated them before, I think. Yeah, yeah and, that, and that bit of advice, I suppose, uh, rings true for people in general and also EPs. So part of this podcast is, like I said, it's for the, the every man and woman. Um, but another part of it, I suppose, is a conversation between us and other EPs as well. Hopefully you're out there listening. Um, I don't think there's too much else that needs to be said, but I, I will ask to sort of wrap up the podcast. Did you think that the film Penguin Bloom was a good representation of your experiences with spinal cord injury? Um, or did you I think that it was a it was a good representation of her journey, I think, in terms of acceptance of what has happened and making forward steps instead of kind of wallowing as she was in the start of the movie. It was a great character development type thing. In terms of the specifics and the, um, you know, the characteristics of her condition particularly, I think, you know, it missed a few marks, but it's still a reasonably good re representation of someone with a spinal cord injury and the particular struggles that they might come across when they leave the hospital right and it's worth pointing out as well um i don't think we we did ever mention this but this film doesn't focus on physical rehabilitation obviously that's the eye that harry and i have going into the movie um but it is very much as opposed on the the mental rehabilitation so you know we're sort of taking the cues that we can see or that are objectively there for us to take in um what did you think i mean i really liked it again i obviously don't have as much um experience uh, as you in this regard but I, I think I still have enough to and I, I say this next thing cautiously um, but there was a point at the start of the film where you know obviously Samantha is like dealing with her injury is still coming to terms with her injury and I'll be honest and say that my first thought in my head I was like oh, I know where this movie is going um, and that was that I thought we were essentially going to watch like as opposed to the breakdown of uh, Samantha's family on account of this injury. And I'm not, that's not saying that anybody that has a spinal cord injury, like there goes your family life, but it is a, it is uh, realistic in a sense. It certainly does happen. I do know people who have a spinal cord injury who I suppose, Oh yeah. Um, it was a big catalyst for massive change in, in their life. Family dynamics will change. And whether, it, whether the family comes out stronger or doesn't as a result of the injury is, you know, it's anyone's guess. But you're right, man, that's 100%. A lot of people do... This is a, this is a, a, a positive story. And it's a true story, so I'm not yeah, saying that yeah. it's not. Yeah, I'm not saying yeah, it's not yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, I'm but just saying if your expectation of spinal cord injury is uh, happily yeah. ever after all the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then you also kind of need to wake up to yourself, I yeah, guess. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a really good point. It's um, it's not just the person. Obviously, that's the thing that we're looking at is that physical function, but it's definitely the relationships that happen around uh, the person as well. And injury affects a lot of people, a lot of people, not just the person that got injured. So, Cool. Yeah. Um, well, that's a that's a low point to finish on, but <laughs> other than that, um, I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Like we said, uh, join the conversation. If, you, if you've got any any uh, information that you'd like to share, any pointers, if there's something that we've said that you don't agree with or that you do agree with, um, by all means, give us a shout. Let us know. Uh, we welcome any feedback. Um, my name's AJ. My name's Harry. 
We're B Physiology. Thank you so much for joining us for episode one of uh, Be Real, Unaware. Take care of yourself, guys. Number and girls. one. No. <laughs> Number one. Good night.